you're listening to the Brewtime Podcast. I'm Fiona, your marketing mentor for your vegan and sustainable business. Join me today where I'm having a virtual brew with Kaylee from Kakadu Creative. We have a big old chat about what it takes to create a truly sustainable website and create sustainable content that's good for the environment and good for you. Um, Today's brew is sponsored by the Happy Tea Company. This is a sustainable tea company that grows their products right here in the beautiful Worcestershire countryside where the Brew Time podcast is recorded. Now, on today's show, you will be going away pack full of loads of information about how you can make your website more sustainable and produce less CO2. And it's really good conversation and we'll be chatting all things content for vegan and ethical businesses. Now, if you would like to get your hands on a freebie that tells you how to create, quickly create content for your vegan business in 30 days, go and check out the show notes because there is a link to it there. It's completely free and it comes with a mini email course. So have a look at that because it may help you create more content in less time. And I'm going to let you get into this awesome conversation that I've had with Kaylee. Uh, it's been a bit of, an, of a weird landing obviously been 10 days in total silence for that for the Vipassana course that I was just on um and then coming straight back so I left Sunday morning and then it was home Sunday afternoon and Lisa did, I wondered you know would you want to go into town for a coffee or something like that and I said I really I can't face the idea of being in a place with lots of people I'm happy to walk into town yes it's walking to town but I, I can't I'm not in the headspace to like, you know, see people. And then obviously, but the next day I was straight back into work. So straight back onto Zoom, straight back onto like client calls. So it's been quite an intense start to the week. But um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But generally I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's just been, yeah, it's been a bit um, interesting coming from 10 days of quiet to straight back to work. Do you do this every year? Because I used to work with a guy who um, used to go on silent retreats once a year to sort of, recenter himself he was quite um an emotional person I think is the polite way to put it yeah 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 it's it's the first time I've ever done it to be fair um it was something that my friend did she did about I think it's about two no it must be longer because it's before Covid she did it probably about three four years ago and really like spoke highly of it and said it was really good and really helpful and really powerful and it helped her to get clarity on where she wanted to go in her life um because she she trained in homeopathic um like, like herbal medicine um but she'd never followed that path she'd just carried on going back and doing sort of a normal job she worked in a college and she did this course and she said she realized that she's not doing what she wanted to do so so it gave her the, the push to say right no I've trained to do this this is what I want to do and she came back and she went and did that and then my sister did it a year ago and then she said it was really good and I just have I think I think I'm right in saying pretty much everyone over the last two years has struggled at some point with mental health and with the pressure of everything um, and I've always been a worrier I'm, I'm always I've always been a worrier I've always had like anxiety and stuff and I just felt like the last couple of years it was starting to just get a bit much and so I thought well you know I've heard really good things about this I've heard that it helps you to get recentered. so let's give it a go but no one told me that you have to get up at half four in the morning and you don't get dinner <laughs> so- so I was ready for it, but I wasn't 
quite ready for it. And that was a real, wow, okay. So it was really hard. And a lot of people um, I've spoken to were like, oh, it sounds lovely, 10 days in silence. I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't a retreat. It wasn't like I was in this beautiful location doing yoga half of the day and then meditating for the other half. I was literally in dead silence for 10 days. You were, you were even discouraged from looking at each other. So you had like your head down, you ate what you were given, um, and I'm I, I like you know flavorful food most of the food was quite quite bland and quite plain it was nutritious but it you know and then to not have dinner it, it was work it was work but you know you don't get results unless you put the work in so <laughs> it sounds like at the 4 30 start would kill me yeah yeah Definitely. I'm not a morning person but it's interesting because like I normally I normally get up at sort of half eight nine I know it sounds really bad especially for a business owner you're meant to be that person that gets up at 5 a.m and I'm you know I'm at the gym and I that's never been me never I've always been someone who likes a lion so the half four thing was a real shocker but then since coming back I've been waking up at six o'clock quite naturally and I've been getting up because they say to carry on doing your meditation practice when you come home so I've been getting up at six and I've been sitting for an hour and then I'm ready. I'm ready for the day at sort of seven, half seven. And so that's been quite cool because it's got me into this routine now of waking up. I mean, I'm only on day three, so <laughs> I might relapse back to my half eight laying. But um, but yeah, so far, so good. I don't think there's anything wrong with getting up at half eight. That's like my natural wake up time. <laughs> and I had kids and like that first few years of oh my god you get up at like stupid o'clock in the morning mm. yeah I've relapsed now they're a bit older and they sleep a bit later I'm like yeah. this is what my body wants to do and I will yeah that was the thing that was the thing that I always felt that, that like when I used to work in sort of corporate media um my I, I had pretty much every manager I ever had said you know you're not here 10, 15 minutes before you, the day starts. I'd always be there late, you know, we'd finish at half five and I'd still be there at half six, seven. I'd quite often work through lunch, but they they, they, they saw the fact that I wasn't at the, my desk at 10 to nine, quarter to nine as an issue. And I always felt like, well, that shouldn't matter as long as I get the work done. And I'm actually doing, you know, by staying later and working through lunch, I'm doing more. Um, and I always felt like, but if me forcing myself to get up out of bed earlier when I'm, I'm don't, I'm not naturally that kind of person and I struggle. I'm just starting my day in the worst frame of mind. So let yourself wake up naturally if you're not a morning person. And then, you know, you're ready for the day. You're refreshed. You're starting your day in a, a better place for you. Because, you know, not everyone can get up early. It's just we're all different. So how long have you been running your own business? Because... Like, obviously, now you can work whatever you want and just get the work done, which is yeah. amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so we we left. Um, so, so I set it up with Lee, my other half, um, because he's got all of the design skills and I had all of the project management and customer relationship skills. Um, so they, they work quite well together. Um, and so we left our jobs. For, it was, we used to work for a company called Bauer Media, which is a big... Um, publishing companies and they publish like, things like Heat and Grazia and FHM and things like that so we left there um 
I think it was November 2017. And then we backpacked for nine years. Nine years? Oh, wow, that would be amazing. Nine months. Um, and we, we sort of soft launched the business then. It wasn't Kakadu at the time. It was just we had some freelance customers that Lee had worked with before that, that sort of came on the journey with us. And then we came back in 2018 and launched the business officially um, in, I think it was September 2018. So we're about four years old now. But two of those years are COVID. So I almost kind of write those off and still say we're about two years old, <laughs> about, about four years. But um, yeah, it, it is great being, there's obviously, you'll understand this, there's real challenges being your own boss. And it's there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress um, running you know, your own company. But there is so much freedom that comes with it and so much flexibility and opportunity to set your day that it's, um, yeah, it's been a really good move. Um, and now we've got a rescue dog. We could never have a dog before because of the hours we worked. So now we've got our rescue dog. She's amazing. So this, yeah, it's been a really good, a really good move and really good decision. That's amazing. It, it's so nice that you can do that. You can make those choices. Of, yeah. I want to have a dog, so I'll get one because yeah. my day fits wrong. Has, has it, have you always been value-led? So from so, inception? Yeah, so it's a really interesting question. In, in Behind the scenes, yes. So the way we ran the business was always you know, ethically led and, and with sustainability in mind and veganism in mind. But we never spoke about it publicly it was something that we kind of kept behind the scenes and it was actually the start of, of covid it was so the first pandemic and you know the, the phone was ringing off the hook with people putting projects on hold and cancelling projects and you know all the rest of it and it was quite a, a initially quite a scary time but it actually freed us up to sit and look at the business and say okay is this the direction we want to go in do we want to keep kind of being quite a generalist creative agency or do we want to start bringing our ethics and our morals to the front and the thing that had always stopped us was we worried that it would stop people wanting to work with us we turn people off and um, you know that whole thing when you start talking about veganism and ethics and green you know green business and everything it can switch people off um and actually when we sat back and we thought about it and we talked about it and and we kind of looked, spoke to different people that had done a similar thing and said you know how did it go for you and do you, do you graduate the movement and do you sort of or do you regret it and actually, we got to the point where we said, do you know what, if it turns people off, then actually that's a good thing, because if they are switched off by us talking about cruelty-free business and green business and, and ethics and sustainability, then we are not the right people to work with for, for them, you know, and, and they're not the right customer for us, because there'll always be potentially barriers so they'll be doing stuff that we won't agree with or we'll try to lead them in a direction that they won't like and it just won't deliver the best result for for either of us so we said actually yeah let's do it let's put bring all of our ethics and everything to the front and um, let's start talking about it publicly let's start being change makers rather than sort of going with the flow um and see where it takes us and it's been i think the best decision we've made um for our business because Interestingly, it's we've not lost customers from doing it. So you, you worry that you'll lose customers, but we didn't. And actually, we've had customers that we've worked with before now have conversations with us about ethics in business that we'd have never had before. And you know, I was talking to one of our customers um it's about two, three weeks ago, and he said, um, he said, Oh, he said, I just wanted to get your advice because 
I'm thinking about going vegan. I'm thinking about trying veganism. And, and I just wanted to get your advice and your tips and, you know, and, and some guidance. And I was like, yeah, brilliant. Send him some resources. Try this, do that, do the other. But if we hadn't started talking about it publicly, he would have never, maybe he'd have come to that decision and so, but he would have never come to me to ask those questions. So it's been really nice that um, we've been able to have those conversations with past clients. And then obviously we're now in a position where ethically aligned businesses look at us and see us and say, yes, they get it. They know, they understand what we're on, we're about. And then they're contacting us to have conversations about their branding a new website their marketing materials and you know they wouldn't necessarily have thought about us before because we weren't talking in their language so yeah it's been it's been a, a good move but it's um it took us a couple of years to get to that point I think that's like totally natural as well because even if your values led in the background you're not really I don't know about for you but for me in business it takes you go through like little cycles of where you need to be and it kind of echoes back to like your, your silent meditation course. I've got totally got another question about that for you. So. <laughs> but before that, I just want to know, how, how did you approach changing your messaging for bringing more vegan and ethical, for bringing your values to the front? How did yeah. you approach that? Um, so it was a case of we, we sort of looked at our site, obviously our website, and looked at the copy that we had on there. And don't get me wrong, we're still tweaking bits here and there, and there's still things that we wanted to do. Um, but we we started to just just change the, the, the physical copy that we were that we put on the site, and we we started to um, add extra sections and things that, that that talked about ethics in business and showcased our own ethical credentials. And then the other big thing that we did was we um, so our blog posts previously were predominantly sort of general advice around does, does elements of design, elements of, you know, optimizing images on websites, for example, or what is a respons responsive website and um, what goes into a custom logo design. They were quite general design and creative topics. But then when we did the switch, we we've, we've started looking at, sort of started talking about design and business from an ethics standpoint. So, um, I mean, one of our one of our best blogs that brings in the most traffic is we did a post about um blog article sorry we did a, an article about cruelty free printing and put that out there and the amount of inquiries and messages we've had from people just through putting that article out there saying we're trying to find vegan printers we're trying to find vegan inks um, so it's been putting out that kind of content as well on our site and then obviously we share that through our newsletters and social media um, and then it was and then the other big thing was just building a network because we kind of had to almost start from scratch with regards to our network um because we were again like i said you know in the more general business sector so it was finding uh like vegan networking groups um and ethical networking groups and green networking groups and you know connecting to people on linkedin um it's been a whole big journey um but it's and it, like i said it's still developing but it's um yeah it's been it's been a good a good switch definitely super i don't know if you found because i found this when i started putting values front and center is that a lot of people that i was already working with already had those same values as me mm. and see so there wasn't really a need to pivot from clients it was more bring more of those people in yeah i think it's been, it's been interesting because a lot of our clients from a personal perspective really get it and they're like oh yeah really support it a lot of people a lot of people aren't 
down the road as far as we are so for example you know they're not vegan and I do a, I do a lot of stuff with in regards to environment environmental activism you know they're not they're not environmental activists but they fully support the the need for that stuff um but from a business perspective quite a lot of them were us were still in that business as usual you're in it to kind of make money it's not purpose-led it's it's so they they understand it but they've never thought about that kind of thing from a business perspective which has been really nice because obviously now we've started talking about it it's it's helping to sort of shine a light on yes you you do things at home you know you recycle your stuff at home and you try and limit your packaging and you do your refill and you're conscious of your energy usage but your responsibility doesn't end just at your home it you know you and it's everything you do in regards to your business as well especially as a business owner we have a massive opportunity to make an impact um but most people haven't thought about it from a business perspective yet that's still a relatively new concept or at least that's what we found with the customers we were working with before um because it is quite a big transition for a lot of companies they're quite especially if they're established they've got their processes and their suppliers and all of that in place so to then try and go back to the start and re resource suppliers and redo this and redo the other and work out how they can reduce their carbon footprint it's quite a big job especially for a, a big established company but um it's been I, I don't know if you've seen this but i think the last couple of years with with covid and with the pandemic people have definitely switched on to it more and more businesses do seem like they are starting to look at the impact that their business has and how they can reduce that and have a positive impact so i think i think we're at the start of a, a really exciting journey for for ethical business and it'd be be great to see how it goes for the next you know 2 to 5 years and and beyond I can only see it snowball and you just need to look mm. at the amount of people that are getting B Corp certification, yeah. which is yeah. absolutely brilliant because they have to go through all that all that assessment mm. and to show that they're making changes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think I think it's, there's there's some exciting times ahead, but it's just um yeah, it's just how quickly we we make the transition is the big the big question mark right now. It is. So the question I wanted to ask you earlier about um, your silent meditation, mm -hmm. because you'd said that people had got like these light bulb moments, they'd like mm -hmm. refocused on what they wanted. Did you have any moment like that about what you want out of life and business? Sorry, it's quite a personal question. Yeah, no, do you know what? To be honest, that's what I expected would happen. I expected because prior to going in, I was so absorbed in work and I was so like strategizing and planning and working out, you know, what the next six to 12 months are going to be and, and beyond and all the rest of the sort I kind of I did expect to go in and have just time to kind of process work stuff but what actually happened for me and this isn't what happens for everyone but what happened for me was I revisited some really turbulent times in my past and it was more a personal emotional journey that I went through on that whereas the woman I shared a room with um at the end when we were actually allowed to talk to each other she'd she'd had she'd spent a lot of time with in, in regards to work in her head so she'd been planning events and her next marketing strategy so she'd gotten very much into a work frame of mind whereas I'd gone into a very personal place and uh sort of an analyzing past experiences um so yeah no not not for me it didn't give me it didn't give me any more like insight into it but I feel like we've actually got quite a clear looking at it I think we've really got quite a clear plan and strategy for the business already so 
it's probably shown me that I don't need to worry as much because actually we already know where we're going and we already know who we want to work with and we already know where our value is. So in reality, I probably didn't need to spend 10 days analysing work. I probably did for me need to, you know, go into that personal baggage stuff and work through that to kind of put that behind me. So, yeah. But that's good though, because like we talk about businesses as though they're a separate entity, but they're still... Mm -hmm like tied to us especially yeah. when it's yours it's your baby and you want it to grow and develop so you've got to be okay yeah at the center of it or else everything else gets cracks in it yeah definitely you've got to be you've got to be in a really strong frame of mind and, and I was on a peer networking group yesterday and, and it was interesting because um one of the other people in the in the room was it runs a creative agency and their speciality special speciality is in regards to servicing um the hospitality and entertainment sectors on the coast so obviously the last two years for them it has been quite tough because initially obviously everything locked down he said so everything locked down which was just a nightmare because everything just shut he said but then when everything reopened because people weren't traveling the coasts on the UK were so busy that companies didn't need to market or advertise because they were overrun with um, with customers. So he said, so I, I didn't win either way. <laughs> it was just been really hard. But he was he's, you know, he's in his early 60s. So he's been at it for a really long time. And um, and he said, and I'm just sitting here now and trying to decide whether I've got the energy for it, whether I've got the, the personal push and motivation to pick myself up from this and move forward and, and he was absolutely right you know you, you have to be right in yourself especially as a business owner and actually in the drive and the passion for it to really enjoy it because at the end of the day you want you've, you've not started a business to be miserable you know you've started the business to, to have a better work work-life balance to feel like you're making a difference um, and if you don't have the energy to do that you, you're never yeah you're never going to get anywhere so yeah, I think for me, the, the personal introspection was was probably a good thing. Fantastic. Right, the main reason I wanted to get you on here to talk about this, because I know you guys do really well, is um, the importance of having a green website. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a subject that hasn't really been spoken about much mm. ever, but mm. people are starting to come around to the idea that if you've got an online business, you are not just carbon neutral everything yeah. you do in business has an impact you have a mission your website exists it has a mission so um what makes a website sustainable mm, so it's a really interesting question and to be to be totally open and honest about it it was something that on our journey through the through kakadu it's a relatively new concept to us we started we discovered around the um sustainability of the of the internet and the impact of the internet I think it was probably about two two years or so ago that I discovered it, and it was just a total shocker. Um, because, like, and when I've talked about it to other people and in networking groups and things like that, everyone has just been gobsmacked by the impact the internet has. So, so to give a, if before I jump into what makes a sustainable website, to give you some kind of foundations of why it's important, um, the the carbon emissions of from the internet industry. Is, is equivalent to the same as the aviation industry. So when you think of you know, carbon intensive industries, you're quite comfortable with the fact that the aviation industry, you know, planes, jet planes, all the rest of it, is very dirty, very polluting. But 
we never think about the internet and actually it's just as bad and there are quite a few reasons for that and obviously one is web use so that that's where sustainable websites come into play but there's also things like streaming data storage um the type of energy that's being used to create the electricity to run all of this stuff um it's a massive massive thing a massive issue and one of the solutions to it is sustainable web design and so that's obviously where, where we're trying to now push people to say look yes you need a website and yes it needs to work yes it needs to engage your audience yes it needs to have a good user experience and good search engine optimization but it also needs to have as minimal impact as possible in regards to the, the, the planet. Um, and that's done in a few ways. So, so one of the, the very first thing that, that um, needs to be looked at is where is it hosted? So, so different hosting providers will use different types of energy to run their data centers. Um, and obviously with data centers, you need the electricity to physically run the servers, but also these servers generate huge amounts of heat. So there's um, climate control systems. So these massive, massive data centers use a huge amount of energy and quite often hosting providers use dirty energy. It's runoff of coal and fossil fuels and all the rest of it. Um, whereas a green hosting provider, their energy, their, the energy used to run their data servers and data centers are um, is renewable. So straight away, it's like, okay, before you even start your website, when you sort out your hosting, green hosting, and then you know that the energy being used is renewable, then um, quite often, so we, we, run an, we offer a green hosting plan. And with ours, we've got renewable energy, and then we do tree planting as well. So it's kind of the double whammy. Tree planting is, it, a lot of people talk about tree planting, but it's not, it's not the solution to all of our problems. We can't just, you know, I've seen people jetting around, I've seen um, artists jetting around the world doing these around the world tours. And they're like, oh, but we're going to plant 10,000 trees. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But those trees aren't going to absorb the carbon from your round the world tour for like another 10 years. So by that point, it's already done the damage. So tree planting is great, but we need to make sure what we're doing from the very beginning is is as kind to the planet as possible. So green hosting is number one. And then when you actually get to the website build, it's about making sure that it's not really heavy with content, features, functionality, um, like loads of video content. Um, there's things, for example, around using custom fonts. So um, custom fonts can be really heavy um, depending on what you use. If you, so custom fonts are really good to create a unique brand experience on the site and really showcase your brand personality. But at the same time, they can be quite heavy in regards to their size, their data, so megabytes, gigabytes, all the rest of it. Um, and the reason that's a problem is because a custom font won't generally be saved on that user's laptop, phone, whatever it is, which means that every time they visit your website, that device has to download that font from the server. And obviously that takes energy. So the whole idea around sustainable web design is making the website as light as possible in regards to the amount of data that needs to be downloaded from a server, because the lighter the website is, the less data you need to download, the less energy is needed to, to do that. Um, so that's really that's really the key part of sustainable web design is is the two big parts is your um, your hosting making sure that it's using renewable energy and also making sure that it's designed in a way that is really light um in regards to the, the size there are other 
bits and pieces in, involved in it as well but they're the real two key main things because I don't want to get people bogged down in all of the really nitty-gritty but they're two really key things um, and the great thing about it is from the actual design perspective is that when you build a site that's very light to download it also makes it really quick which is great for user experience it's great for search engine optimization so you get like a triple whammy with sustainable web design you've got you've got limited um, or a really light footprint on the environment. You've got super speedy, um, res, res, super speedy experience for your end user, which means you, you've got a reduced bounce rate. They're more likely to stay on your site and, and look around. And you're keeping the search engine bots happy, which will help with your, your ranking. So it's kind of like, we're, we're looking at it as, why would you not build sustainably? Why would you not build a sustainable website? Because it ticks so many boxes, um, but it's just something that is relatively new to, mainstream business um, and even eco businesses most eco businesses haven't heard of sustainable web design so um it's something that we've obviously wanted to champion and get out there more and i think it's really important because i think more people are starting to talk about it mm. but the more you educate people on what it's about is incredibly important so I look at like how much content people are putting out because they don't realize every time you put out an Instagram post or a TikTok mm, video mm -hmm. or a blog, you're actually using energy. Yeah. And if that energy isn't resulting in a sale for your business, it's pretty much a waste. And I'm not yeah. saying like sale needs to be the end goal, but if it's not resulting in an action mm. you need your customer to take. Yeah. If it's content for content's sake, it's, yeah. it's just not worth it. And, and that, that's something that, that we sort of struggle with a little bit from, from our own from running our own business because I quite often feel this pressure of oh we need to get our social media post today we need to get this out today we need to get that out today. we need to get all of this you know marketing material out there and actually you look we've had in the four years and maybe this is because we've not been doing very well on social media but in the four years of you know running our social media account we've had one lead come through our social and the pressure that I put on myself to create all of this content and and you know and quite often Lee will say why it's not it's not you know it's not where our customers are quite often our customers are ones that we build through referral network links or that we we've sort of built up relationships with or we've met through networking you know sending out loads of content on Instagram and Facebook and I mean those are people are saying about moving on to TikTok I'm I'm not going anywhere near TikTok um just because uh, so I feel like I'm rambling a little bit now but TikTok obviously TikTok's whole concept is video it's, it's short videos and video is one of the most data intensive media sources online and that platform is just pure video so it's it's one of the dirtiest social media platforms that, that we can get involved with um so i think it is it's making but you're right it's about making sure that what you're putting out has got a real purpose and you're not just chucking stuff out there because you feel like you're meant to um because in reality most people don't see half of it anyway because there's so much content out there. So it's just being really considered with what you're doing online within your business. I don't know if you find this, because I certainly do when I chat to people, and then I say, well, what do, you, what do your analytics say? How do you know how, mm. how someone's found you? And they're not looking at the data mm. to say, to follow the trail. So when I look at people's analytics for the jobs that I do, I'm like, well, social media, falls way below search and direct traffic. Mm -hmm. And I expect that I, that to me yeah. is normal 
unless they've really got some big heavy social media machine working yeah. behind them um but i guess my question is what can people do to to monitor so that the the emissions that their websites mm -hmm. are putting out do you know a way to do this so there are a couple of tools that people can use to initially analyze their site so there's one um let me just double check that i don't, don't get them the wrong way around so there's one because they've got very similar urls okay so there's one that's websitecarbon.com um and this one's great for just seeing if your hosting provider is a, a renewable energy provide energy supplier because it doesn't analyze your entire site it analyzes your site page by page so it's not great for getting an overall picture of of your site but it's great because it you put you for example put your homepage url in it and it will come up and tell you um whether your site appears to be running on sustainable energy or not so if you're not sure if your your um hosting provider is running on green energy then that's a really good tool to just see whether it is um it, or, or obviously one alternative is to physically go to your hosting provider and ask them, but this is a really super speedy way to do it. It takes like 30 seconds and then you get your result and you're done. Um, and the other one, this is a relatively new tool actually, and I was talking to the, the creators of this uh, about three weeks ago, it's really exciting um, what, they're, what they're planning to do, and it's websiteemissions.com. And if you go onto there and put your website address in there, it will analyze your whole site and it will tell you whether your site is eco-friendly or not. Um, and so that's a good, good way to get an overall picture of the site. Um, the, so, so that's, yeah, so that's a way to sort of see one way or the other. In regards to actually physically analyzing and getting proper figures and facts for your specific site and your, your level of traffic and all the rest of it, generally what you'll need to do is speak to a, a carbon emissions a carbon footprint consultant there are quite a few out there and they're really great because they come in and they look at all of the parts of your business and work out what what part, what your business is um generating in regards to the carbon footprint and then they help you to work out the different ways to reduce that whether it's in your supply chain or your data um your data side of things or your systems or your website they're able to really give you specific figures for your your own business but Websitemissions.com and websitecarbon.com are really easy ways for you to really quickly and easily find out the impact that your own website is having. Um, and then, yeah, and then if you find that it's not on green hosting, you can switch it. And if you find that it's not sustainably built, then obviously you can speak to um, a developer or a creative agency like us, and we can obviously work with you to, to reduce that impact and, um, and get a sustainable website built for you. Fab, thanks. I think those are like two tools that people should use. And I would love to, because I'm now going to go and add them to, because I do my analytics every month and for one of my clients as well, and yeah. add them to there to see whether what we're doing is going to increase or decrease those emissions. Because yeah. it's, it's incremental gains, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's also another really useful tool, actually, while I'm thinking about it. <clears throat> so it's, um, it's called GT Metrics. Uh, gtmetrics.com and again it, it only analyzes a page at a time so you can't it won't analyze your whole site but generally um so we use it when we do our, our website audit so we offer a website audit service where we give people a 15 minute video where we talk through their site and we tell them tips and tricks on how to improve you know their user experience and, and all the rest of it um, and we use gt metrics to analyze the performance of the site and um, what's really great with that is that you run your pages through it and it gives you a grade for those pages. And you will not believe how many times 
we have it come back and it says there's a, a like a warning where it says enormous avoid enormous network payloads and what that means is you've got really large files on your site um and generally they're they're images so I, I would say probably around 50 to 60% of the websites we audit don't have optimized images on their site. And when I say optimized images, it's like they'll have taken a, a camera, a photo directly from either a professional photographer that supplied it or from their iPhone or, you know, whatever it is. And those images are print quality. You know, they're really high file sizes. They're 300 DPI, which is like a print specific uh, print spec. Whereas with web, you don't need it to be print quality. You need it to be 72 DPI. So that's like dots per inch or, or pixels per inch. So three, 300 is dots per inch and um, 72 is um, dots per, I, can I can't remember the specific. Anyway, I'm not the designer. Lee is the designer, but it's basically you, you don't need it to be as high quality on your web. And so, but people don't realize that. So they upload these images as full size. They've not done anything to optimize them. And then they maybe put three, four, five on a page. And we're seeing sometimes they've got pages with like four or five images that are three megabytes each. Well, realistically on a website, your images should be hundred kilobytes each, you know, maximum 300 per image if it's your header image. And so, that's another massive thing that is a really easy way to reduce the impact that your um that your site's having by just optimizing your images and, and gtmetrics.com is a great tool to see whether you have got that problem on your site and um, because it like i said it if you see the thing which is avoid enormous network payloads you can open up that uh, that section and it will physically list the the problem items on your site and then you can see what it is and go through and optimize them and then re-upload a, a website optimized image for that for that section i was chuckling at that because when i do seo audits i see the same thing like, <gasps> it's crazy it's gonna resize all your images for you yeah and it is i i, I mean it's, it's it's interesting because you know the first couple of times we saw it on when we were doing the audits was like okay all right but then like i said 50 60 percent of them when we send them back we say you've got issues with unoptimized images and i always look and i think who who's building all of these sites and you know and being paid to build these sites and they're building them and they're not even doing the basic of optimizing a you know a website image that's that should just be absolute standard part of a web build because it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before in regards to when a website's really heavy, it takes time to download. So by not optimizing the images, you end up with a slow site, which users hate, and search, search engine bots hate. So you end up just with a site for the sake of it that no one likes and no one wants to use. So yeah, it's a really basic thing that should be done, but it's amazing how many sites don't have that. It's just, it blows my mind how many don't have that part done. It's true. Um, I want to talk about your website, actually, because when I was looking through, I'm like, oh my goodness, your images are amazing. And I suspect <laughs> the answer to my question is it might fit Lee. Um, but what, what is the favorite part of your business? Because I can, you look at them and you can see the passion that goes into all the illustrations on your site. And yeah. to me, when someone's got that and it's not just stock images or the same old photographs that everyone else has, it stands out. Mm. Yeah, and and that was the that was the the thing that um, initially Lee had to really reassure me on because I'd obviously come from a very 
general business environment where it was quite um you know you please everyone and you you kind of you try and blend and all the rest of it and you you don't stand out too much and when he first showed me the concepts and things for, for Kakadu and it was you know the, the black and the orange and gritty and and I was looking at other design agencies websites and going oh but they're really clean and white and modern and crispy it's like yeah but we don't want to be like them we're not them you know we we are different we're coming at it from a different angle we need to show that we're different and and he was totally right obviously that's why he's the creative and I'm the more like I'm the admin bod um but he was totally right because you know we don't we don't want to stand out we don't do things like everyone else does it and it's been another really interesting thing so when we've spoken to customers um and we've asked you know what was it that made you work with us why did you come to us why did you decide that we were the agency for you and so many have said because you listened and you cared and you were you were engaged and you actually wanted to do what was right for us and didn't just want to do what you wanted to do and again, I've been amazed by how many people have said that and said that generally with other companies, it's very much like a, we know best and we're going to tell you what you need and we're not going to work with you. You, you just pay us and we're going to just do what, what we decide is right. Um, and they don't work as a team with their customer. And so that's why we wanted to stand out from a branding perspective to show that we don't approach it in the same way and we do want to work with you and we are human and we do come at it in a much softer and engaging and collaborative way um and yeah and that's that's kind of what we've tried to get across with the branding as well um to show that we're not hard corporates and we're not soups and ties and you know it's just yeah we left that world behind us we didn't like that world um and yeah and we're just real people doing good work for good businesses fantastic so what's your favorite project that you've worked on today um, so I can't talk in too much detail because it's still it's still underway. <laughs> but probably one of our absolute favourites has been we're working with a um, an alternative meat product, uh, so a vegan meat product, um, food product, and um, it's been really great because they uh, we, they've come at it and they've got they've got real passion for the for the project. And um, it's two ladies that, that are like coming out of very corporate worlds and they're wanting to bring this product to, to market. So they've got, they're really excited about it. They've got loads of passion for it. We've been able to really dig into the brand foundations, who their target customer is, um, and work out where they sit. We've come up with some new terminology for describing their audience. So um, I imagine you probably do things with regards to like customer avatars. Um, and so it's, we've been doing a lot of work with them around that. And we've come up with sort of new terminology for, for how to explain them, which just it's just fun. You know, it's really fun doing that kind of work. And then um, the, the brand's got the product's got a really great heritage. It's, it's a family recipe. So it's got this real cool heritage to it. Um, and then we've been like obviously working all the brand and the brand styling. And, and it's just been it's just been it's just been really fun because they've got loads of passion for it, which has meant that they've really um they've been really engaged and that's where we really love it is when we've got a customer who's really really engaged and really passionate about it because then we can really like just throw ideas around and um and just really dig into it and um, so the, the branding part is all finished and we're just about to start the packaging design and um and i was talking to them yesterday about the websites of building the e-commerce website and it's really great because 
it's a project that that we will grow with. Um, we've built really lovely relationship with them. We've like I was chatting to her yesterday about her kids tutoring, and you know, it's it, it it's not just a working relationship; it's a personal relationship as well. And they're generally they're the they're the projects that we've really loved. You know, if I look back at the the customers we've worked with in the past, the ones where we get to know them, their family, you know, their what they do at the weekends, we share dog pictures. I don't know whatever. When you get to know them as humans and as people, that's the fun part. As well as, and then you just get to really, you've got that really great working relationship so that then feeds into some really great work. Um, so yeah, there's been a few, and and if I was to look at when they're the favourites, it is when we've really had the opportunity to build that that really great working relationship with a client. And it's not been, it's not just been about the end result, it's been about the journey to the end result has, has been just as important. And then, yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. That's good. I love the passion you've got for this. <laughs> so my last question, which hopefully you've got a good answer to because I sent it to in advance. Um, what do you never get asked about but are absolutely bursting to talk about? Um, so one of the things one of the things we don't get asked about is sustainable web design. You know, people come to us and um and they say they need a website because it, their site currently is not on brand or it's not delivering the results. Um, and 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 but they never really think about it from a sustainability perspective. Um, and that's something that, that I'm really keen to talk to people about and, and open people's eyes to because I mean I, I touched on it earlier on regards to the things that you need to consider in regards to the website, but it, there's other things around it as well. So there's things, for example, in regards to um our emails and our, and the stuff we store on the cloud you know there's so much involved with internet sustainability that, that we're just not talking about and once we can start having those conversations with people um it's a real opportunity to really start changing this whole problem that we've got in regards to the sustainability of, of internet usage um, and the other scary thing as well obviously i said a few facts and figures at the beginning around the impact that the the, the internet industry has now that impact is expected to double by 2025. So in three years time, it's going to be, it's going to take, so at the moment it takes 10% of the world's um, electricity usage is, is used by the internet. And that's gonna double by 2025. So, you know, the sustainability of the internet and, and websites is a massive subject and something that we really need to start talking about, but it's something that most people have just, never even considered so yeah that's probably my bit right now that's my big that's that's what I want everyone to know about and I want to tell everyone about I think that's a good thing to tell everyone about here's a fun fact for you because I was I did um, some research for something about a year and a half ago mm -hmm. and was, there was 5.63 billion web pages on the internet yeah and I went back to update that about three months ago and they t deleted the data from about two billion web pages Wow. So the number had actually gone down to three point six billion. It's still a lot, but yeah. What 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 were the what were the two billion that they deleted? Were they dead websites or something? Dead dead web. I think I think about a year ago. I don't know. Whoever controls the internet, the internet <laughs> controlling person. 
went along and went like, oh, I'm just going to delete all this stuff. But there was there was some sort of, um, when I was looking into it, going, why is this dropped by two billion? There was a program to clear, to, to basically take out the rubbish of the yeah. internet. Yeah. Unfortunately, not all the rubbish of the internet, but there we go. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, if that's one, if, if people have got a sustainable website or they're not in a position right now where they can, um, invest in a new site or you know they've just had one built and they're just not ready to look at it now there are other things that people can do in their business to reduce their carbon footprint and uh, the digital carbon footprint so so like I said obviously one big thing is your hosting you, no matter where your site is built as long as it's not on something like Squarespace or Wix um, or Weebly where you're tied to their platform if it's a WordPress or a custom build you can move that to another hosting provider so if you're not on a green hosting pro provider move it that's one really really simple and easy thing you can do but there's other things that you can do so i mentioned earlier on about you know the stuff that we store so clear your emails the amount of people that have got emails from like three four five years ago or they've got emails with massive attachments go through and have a real just clear the junk just keep what you need to keep and clear it all out because all of that stuff that you're storing has to be stored somewhere and it's stored in these data centers and like i said earlier these data centers are very energy intensive so clear your emails clear all of that crap out then once you've done all of that go through your cloud storage so both from a business and a personal perspective if you've got loads of just like any old images and photos and things or loads of old files that you don't need anymore just clear it all out just have a real good spring spring's coming have a really good spring clean of what you're storing digitally and clear as much of it as you can and um, because that means that we need we need less server space to store it all the less service space we need then obviously the less energy and, and you know it all just has an impact so there are a few things that people can do now if they're not ready to um do something with their website and it's brilliant advice i just want to thank you for your time today it's been really useful really interesting and i've totally enjoyed it thank you for that. <laughs> yeah no i've enjoyed it too thank you for having me i want to give kaylee a huge massive thanks for sharing her time with me today on this virtual group and for sharing all things about building sustainable websites and all the other really lovely little insights in the show if you want to go and check out kakadoo creative and the social media where that they hang out all the links will be in the show notes please do go and check them out and let me know come and find me or kaylee on linkedin and let us know what has been your biggest takeaway from this episode because we would both love to hear about it and i i would genuinely love to hear if we've inspired you to move posts or to do take one little action to make your website a bit greener um so thank you so much for Kaylee's time and thank you to you thank you so much for your time and I will see you all next week